name is Casey Must, the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we interview different people from our community, therapists, we talk about philosophy, we talk about yoga, we interview our teachers, all to promote our mission of mental health and suicide prevention. If you didn't know, I, and you're listening to this afterwards, either way, May is Mental Health Month, and um, we're so committed to bringing forth topics and talking about things that we know affect uh, our mental health, and particularly this topic affects so many people, uh, which is social media. And I know you've heard me talk about my relationship with social media. I'm sure we're going to get into it a little bit today, but um Today's guest is Jessica Malik. She runs Citizen Social Media now, which is so wonderful. And she, I would just say, you're a social media expert. <laughs> well, thank you. Would you say that? <laughs> I mean, I guess I could. I've been doing it long enough. Yeah. I might command that title. <laughs> and, and, you know, our hope in this conversation is to really just have an honest conversation and bring to light the truth about how social media can affect us and maybe tips on how you can manage it better. Yeah, definitely. Um, you so know, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah. So what are your what are some like entry statistics? How many people are using social media? Um, just give us an overview of how social media has infiltrated our minds and our society. Oh my god. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that it's goes without saying that basically everyone uses social media to a certain degree right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, you know, overall statistically, about 79% of Americans use social media, some form of it. Um, And that's actually up from 5% of people in 2005. So, you know, it's a significant increase um, just in the way that our culture communicates with one another and our society sort of functions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 90% of teens have social media, which is, you know, an insane number. It's basically all of them. Um, And that's ages 13 to 17. So that's not even necessarily including, you know, younger children that might be accessing YouTube or, um, you know, 18 year olds. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely um, a very, very high statistic. And then as far as usage goes, um, you know, during the pandemic, we saw a 46% increase in social media usage for women and a 41% increase for men. Um, Obviously, we were all at home, we were using social media for a myriad of issues. You know, the pandemic obviously happened during a time culturally that was very significant in the United States. We had a looming election that was extremely polarizing. And then we Mm -hmm. also had, you know, a burst of social justice issues that came to the forefront. So, um, you know, it was where everybody was getting that instant access where things were moving a mile a minute and Mm -hmm. they, you know, they were able to um, keep their finger on the pulse, I guess, of what was happening. Um, And, you know, as far as like just time goes in general, this makes me want to throw up because I'm probably so much worse than this because of my job. But um, on average, we spend between um, about two hours and 24 minutes every single day on social media, which it equates to 34.67 days out of the year, which is over a month that you're literally spending looking at your phone, looking at your phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's why tech neck is something that's. (laughs) Yeah, something that's real. Yeah, you know? like sitting out straight. Oh, I know. God. It's so hard. But you know, when you were just describing this, one of the things that um, I, I do think there are positives, which we can talk about in yes. so, for social media. I 
tend to like be like you know negative Nancy for sure about social media. <laughs> I'll try not to be, um, but I think that one of the things you mentioned is communication and the assumption that you're communicating with people over social media is partly true uh, and partly very false. Yes, and I think that contributes to a lot of our loneliness. Uh, and I don't really know how to grapple with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, these social platforms have only existed for, you know, a little over a decade at this point. Um, and the rapid advancement of technology, coupled with, you know, how fast our brains develop and how fast we as humans are able to adapt to this new technology are very, very different. You know, so right now we're and one of the reasons why there is this danger is because social media um, is the technology that's very new that our we essentially have not evolved enough yet to be able to manage on our own. Correct. Um, so, you know, it's certainly something that for all of its positives, and there are a lot of them, there are lots of negatives. And I think that because they're so insidious and subtle, we don't necessarily um, regulate our day-to-day usage mm-hmm. because we kind of either think... I don't use it enough or I'm not using it in that way, but it still erodes um, certain aspects of, you know, who we are. Yeah. And I I mean, I have so many questions. I'm curious as to if you know, which I have listened to um, some podcasts uh, on how it affects men and women differently. I believe that women are much more affected um, negatively by social media. Um, I'm not sure if you have any insight as to why. I know that um, maybe you can talk to the listeners about what makes you so interested in social media. Yeah. So, you know, from a personal perspective, um, I gravitated towards social media, um, sort of at the beginning of when businesses started utilizing it. And it was primarily because I didn't really know what I was doing professionally. And this new, thing was starting and it was gaining legitimacy and it was, you know, a really interesting way to um, speak directly with consumers. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge tie between psychology and behaviors mixed with creativity and data. So there was a lot of fun things to play with. And, you know, some of the things that I found the most interesting, like the behavioral manipulation, mm-hmm. I guess, um, is something that was fascinating at the time. Little did I realize that that is exactly why it's so um, dangerous. But, you know, as far as how men and women use it differently, there are definitely more women than men on these platforms. Um, but I think a huge thing is that, um, you know, obviously there are certain standards. Um, there are certain standards uh, for beauty, which growing up, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. the magazines were always criticized for Photoshopping and, you know, doing things to manipulate their imagery and create these um, unattainable beauty standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that ability to Photoshop and um, alter your image or your video is so pervasive. Oh my God. So pervasive <laughs> to where there's so little line. You know, when I was growing up, I remember there was this video that I watched and it was of a model and she was getting her, you know, her photo taken and they were showing the makeup process that was like really, really overwrought and she had all these crazy things. And I remember her saying in the video, like, they glued my ears back. And it resonated with me as like a 10-year-old thinking, oh my God, like I hate my ears and they stick out. And if I could glue my ears back, that would be so awesome. And, you know, it went into all the Photoshopping and the overall message of the video was like, this image is not attainable to the average person. Right. That message was very clear. Now, 
even as an adult that's acutely aware of the manipulation that um, we have with different apps and technology and software, I still cannot help but see an image of a beautiful woman, an in-shape woman, and think, oh my God, I wish I had that. Or, oh my gosh, yeah. like, I wish you know my nose was smaller. And then you have filters, which, yeah. you know... We can get into a whole thing with that, too. But the statistics have basically shown that um, these things greatly affect women and their psychology. So, you know, do you have to be on social media? I say absolutely not. It's funny because um, I think we've been conditioned as a culture to believe that you have to be. Um, You know... I think that there's this weird pervasive issue and it's because of our own inherent addictions to social media mm-hmm. that we believe that if we, you know, as a business or as an individual don't post, then, you know, we're going to lose all of our followers and you're going to be complete, completely irrelevant. Um, but that's just not the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think a public scandal or something like that is going to be a far bigger deal. Um, but, you know, I think that taking a Taking breaks from social media, whether you're a business or an individual, is perfectly acceptable. Um, You know, I had a fun account that I created just to kind of like test myself sort of and curate some interiors and art that I really liked, Um, just kind of play with my own creative ability, um, my own test, my own strategies, things like that. Um, And you know, in a three month span, I had like 400 followers or something like that. And I haven't posted in over a year and I have like literally the exact same amount of followers. Like mm. these numbers aren't, they change very, very little. Um, you know, organic growth is very challenging in general, but, um, yeah, can we, yeah. you know, people pay for followers, which yeah. I like, think is so interesting. <laughs> I like, and, and so many, <laughs> yeah. And I do think it's really, even for me, like, it's challenging to figure out like, well, how much growth are you supposed to expect Mm -hmm. from social media? How much, uh, are you, what part of your personality are you, do you, are, do you have to expose to people? Mm -hmm. These are, these are questions that, um, as an entrepreneur, I ask myself all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you are a public facing person within Mm -hmm. your business you know Mm -hmm. people know you as citizen yoga so um you know I think that it's all a balance and I think that it's also very much a personal choice rather than something that you know your audience leads um everybody's a voyeur everybody loves to see the interior inner workings of someone's house and their lifestyle Mm and you know There are people that, um, if you want to be an influencer and that's how you want to display your life, by all means, you know, nobody's telling you not to do that. Um, but if as an entrepreneur, you're like really struggling and saying, listen, I don't really want to grant that kind of access. That is totally within your right to say that Mm -hmm. and to put up those boundaries. And as users of social media in general, across the board, we have to be cognizant of putting up our own boundaries with the time we allow ourselves to give to these platforms and the way we allow these platforms to make us feel. So, you know, companies themselves are not going to regulate this. Lawmakers are not going to regulate this. They benefit from social media in a myriad of different ways. And, you know, if you want to look at, um, you know, some deeper learning. The Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix is fabulous. There's also The Great Hack that's on um, 
Netflix that's amazing. Um, so these two entities of the corporate sector and the government sector, they're not going to regulate social, at least not anytime soon. So we have to do it ourselves. And that's really what um, is difficult for people. Yeah, because we're not comp- – we're, we're not – uh, people will say, actually, we can talk about Adam's writing tool. Yeah. <laughs> so Adam created, Adam's my husband, he created a writing tool called the Free Write, um, and also a smaller one called the Traveler. And when it first came out, it's a distraction-free writing tool. And people were like, why would I buy this? I just turn off my internet on my computer and write. Or why would I buy this? I can I can manage my own distraction. And I'm like, great, yeah, good, good for you. Try it out. See how long you <laughs> last. You know, and I think that there is this um, we're sort of tortured by how complex technology has gotten, how smart it's outsmarted us in a way that it's mind manipulation. Oh yeah. Uh, e- even if I know, mm-hmm. I know when I know that people's lives are not real on Instagram, and even knowing that, there's still those visceral reactions mm-hmm. to other people's posts how many likes how many comments you get uh do people repost it's such a vicious cycle and how do you define yourself in a world that's really it feels like it's defining you i think that that's a really really great way to sum up the way that social has sort of transformed our culture mm-hmm. in that um it really does have a like a death grip on everybody <laughs> for the most part and you know I totally understand that I'll turn off my internet, you know, that sort of thing. That's totally fine if you can do it. Awesome. I don't know about you, but at least for myself, I'll go to check an email on my phone and all of a sudden, five seconds later, I'm deep in Instagram or, you know, you hear these people going saying, oh, I went to go look up something on Google and then I end up in a TikTok hole and I've been doing it for two hours. These platforms are designed by design. Literally, the people that started these companies, Google, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, they all took courses at um, Stanford in the early 2010s, late, you know, or early aughts. And the course was called Persuasive Technology Lab. And it, it literally was a way for them to learn how to manipulate us into staying on platform all the time and interacting with these platforms all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and no matter what, like, I can. I say, like, no matter what, it makes me feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Lonelier. Yeah. It, 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 it has that effect, mm-hmm. even though I am a conscious person participating in it and knowing that that's the effect. Oh, for um, sure. And it's so interesting because one of the things that I have recently found is sort of this, I think it's like a lot, I don't know if it's more females, I just know more females on um, Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook, but we sort of have reverted back to like middle school behavior of like tag your three best friends, tag your this and that. Mm-hmm. And I am such like a, that's exclusive <laughs> behavior. I don't care how you put it, but tagging your three best friends, having a best friend necklace and demonstrating that to your whole grade and fifth grade is how children behave. Right. And we are promoted through other avenues whether it's other companies like it's a way that you get people to engage tag your three you know best friends in this post and tell them how much you love them and then you know you (laughs) and and you have to remember that as a 37 year old user of this platform there are also 12 year olds there are 15 year olds there are 17 year olds that can't decipher that that's those aren't the only people that they care about 
So you can imagine that if that affects you at any age, children who can't decipher or distinguish that this is just one snippet of somebody or using it to bully other people, I think as adults, it's our responsibility to use the platform in a way that we would want children to use the platform. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And I really, one of the huge takeaways from um, the Social Dilemma documentary was um, some statistics that they put out regarding teen girls and Mm -hmm. um, suicide rates, self-harm rates, hospitalization Mm -hmm. rates. So just to throw out a few... (laughs) um, For uh, ages 10 to 14, there was a 62% increase in hospitalizations for American girls. This increased to 189% for women or girls that are 15 to 19 years old. Hospitalizations. Um, And then there was an increase in self-harm for ages 10 to 14 from 2010 to 2011. Um, I'm sorry, that was the, the statistic. 189% 189% increase in self-harm for girls ages 10 to 14 between 2010 and 2011. And that mm-hmm. is when these children were allowed to access these platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a 70% increase in suicide for girls ages 15 to 19. And for 10 to 14, mm-hmm. it's 151%. And that was from 2009. So, you know, it's not as though social has slowed down at all whatsoever. If anything, it's gotten more intense, um, especially mm-hmm. when you look at, um, you know, this is even before Snapchat filters, you mm-hmm. know? Snapchat filters came out in 2015. Yeah. You know, like, that long. is not a long time ago. Yeah. And even for myself, you know, yeah, I have thrown a filter on my face and all of a sudden my orbital bone structure changes and my nose is smaller and my lips are bigger and it's like, oh my gosh, I look like so great. And then you realize like, no, I physically could not look like this in real life, even with plastic surgery. Right. There's a term for it. It's called Snapchat dysmorphia that plastic surgeons, you know, came up with because people were bringing in these filtered photos of themselves being like, I want to look like this. And the surgeons are like, you can't literally. But I think that there, there's a user responsibility as adults engaging in social media that mm-hmm. we have to realize that we have to model better behavior, including me. I mean, I am on it way too much more posting about classes. You know, Justin and I were talking. She's like, do you really think you need it? And I'm like, yeah, but I just want you guys all to know about my classes and I don't really, you can learn about me in person. Um, but, and I'm, and the podcast, I think that this is a place where, you know, we share authentically about ourselves, not, yeah. you know, on a photo or like, no matter how long or how much time I take on a post, like that's still just one snippet of the conversation. Half the time I'm like speechless after philosophy or speechless after a class, which is why I don't bring some of my teachings into Instagram because I feel it really like it, it's too personal. Yeah, it's personal. And it also was in that moment. It was so present. Mm-hmm. And how social media has stolen our presence deeply. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think about, you know, even the simple fact of like going to concerts, you know, obviously we haven't done that in quite some time. Right. <laughs> yes. But you go to a show and, you know, maybe this will shift when we're allowed to do this again, but you would go to a show and everybody has their phone, phone up. up and you're literally like, oh, we're Who's watching gonna it. watch this? Yeah, no yeah. one wants to watch your crappy videos of a band you saw. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm no. sorry. They're the, they're the worst stories. It's, I'm always like, oh yeah. God, that's so loud. It's not interesting. But you, yeah. you want to share your experience to and you yeah. think people are interested. It's 
you know. So what's, you know, I know you were, you did a piece in Scene Magazine. What what month was that in? Oh, this was uh, in October of 2020. So okay. So this was a little while ago. And there were some tips in that about how to better manage. What was, mm-hmm. what was the premise of so the article? Basically, when I wrote it, it was, you know, right before the election, I myself was reeling after, you know, being on, having social media be your job job (laughs) you can't get away from anything you can't get away from news you can't get away from you know any sort of um political commentary social justice issue and i'm not saying that you need to like stick your head in the sand and ignore negative things that you don't want to see but being fed that information 24 7 it takes a mental toll and there's just no denying that i think that anybody has experienced that if you're active in social so in October, you know, the election was looming. We had this really, really um, intense summer filled with protests and just a lot of craziness. It felt like the internet was crazy. And I myself had like a mini breakdown because I was just like, I need to put the phone, the computer away. Mm-hmm. I have to just like decompress mm-hmm. and just not think about anything for a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wrote this article for Scene as a way to give people some very manageable and easy like tasks, I guess, that they can do to help reel in their own social media usage and put up some boundaries to hopefully mitigate some of these really negative effects that it can have on you. Um, So what were some of those things that you... uh, Well, the first and foremost one that I think everybody should do a thousand percent is turning off notifications. Oh my God. Nothing is that urgent. We are not saving lives here. Like turning off social media notifications. I didn't even know people still had theirs on. I mean... It is a thing, and well, you're, you have a job. I have a so job. That's I have to do I, it. I want you to know when something's yes. happening on Citizen, but exactly. it's like a personal. Yeah, for your okay. personal thing, I mean, like yeah. you know, and it's funny because the notifications, every single thing that happens on social media, every single thing, at the way it's designed, the removal of the um, chronological timeline, the prior, the prioritization of news at one point, like all these things are literally designed to keep you in platform as much as possible. So. Turning off your notifications gives you that power back. Um, another one is kind of creating no phone zones. Um, I love that. To gain back presence. You know, you have families that say no phones at the dinner table or yeah. no phones during X, Y, and Z. Um, I try to make a really... What's com- yours? Yeah. Mine is um, when I'm hanging out with my husband, I try to keep my phone away. He's also very like, he hates phones and social and all so, that stuff. So yeah. <laughs> So definitely when I'm hanging out with my husband, I try to be as present as possible, hang out with anybody really, friends, family, you know, and also I think I'm putting the phone down in a way before bed is very important. You know, everybody knows that blue light stimulates your brain. It's certainly not a way to relax. Um, So, you know, if you can get a normal alarm clock, that's not yep your phone. We have a light alarm clock. There you go. We're not allowed to have phones in our bedroom. It is It's a beautiful rule. It's so good. And so strict. It, you know, I know that there are some people that could say, oh, what if there's an what if my, emergency? Oh my God, or, everybody says that. It's like, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yes. Exactly. And, you know, if you're really that nervous about it. Get a it, landline. Get a landline or put your phone like in the corner that you have to literally physically get out of bed to go get it. Um, they're simple tasks, but they work. Another one that actually really was a big deal for me personally, and it helped mitigate that, oh, I have a text message and then all of a sudden I'm on Instagram or I have an email and all of a sudden I'm on Facebook. Um, 
is physically moving the app icon in your phone to like a further page. Oh, I love that. A lot I've of never pe- done that. Yeah, and it works, literally. Oh, I like, want to do that right now. A lot okay. of people don't realize, like we have so many immediate actions that our brains have just sort of just developed. It's like you open your phone and this is what you do, just on autopilot. So if you take your Facebook icon or your Instagram icon and you literally just shove it to I'm literally the doing back it right page, now. I'm like, I need to get this off. It's a big deal. I did it with Facebook because Facebook was causing me a lot of mental stress. Um, Interesting. And I you know, people use these platforms for different reasons. I, you know, because it's my job, I I can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to go on Facebook for a month. You know, right. we're going to let this stuff calm down. <laughs> yeah. So it was just about mitigating my time on it. Um, and another thing is news. You know, people, um, 41% of people say that they get their news from social media. Oh, God. That is stop. That is not what it's for. <laughs> Little did we know. Um, or like all of your facts about the world. Please stop using Instagram and social media. It is not a place to get news. And it's, Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like. Dear God. Um, <laughs> Fake news spreads six times faster on Twitter than real news. And the reason why is because fake news is usually very sensational and it has those sort of illicit responses where you get outraged or, you know, angry and like you weirdly have this abject need to like you're both horrified by what you're reading but you can't stop reading more, which just tricks the algorithm to feeding you more of that enraging stuff. Um, so don't get your news from it. If you are reading a article on Facebook or you see a clickbait headline, go to the Associated Press. Go to non-biased news sources that you can garner this information from. And some people will say, oh, news is, of course, there's no 100% objective news. However, there are, um, one of my dear friends, I was explaining to him because he was deep in sort of the conspiracy land mm. this past summer. He's like, well, how do I know it's news? And I was like, well, at the top of every article, it says opinion piece or not. Exactly. And so don't read opinion pieces. Yeah. Like, it will tell you whether something is an opinion piece. Of course, you can argue left, right, and center that no human is 100% objective. We all understand that. But do you have, like, discernment in your toolbox to know you probably don't. But no. To truth and, and un, non-truth. Yeah. And that's our job as human beings is to follow our values. We were talking about this in philosophy this morning. What's the difference between a belief and a value? Yeah. And social media really, it has, I, I'm sorry, but I think it has very little values. Mm-hmm. Um, I tr- you try, right? You wrote, you post these things about it, you know, all these different values that you have. But a lot of times it's formal- formulating your unconscious beliefs about yourself, about other people. You know, sometimes you even watch, and this is something for people to be careful of. I'm very careful of this, is that what people post on social media is not who they are. And I don't just mean... Um, <laughs> The positive part. (laughs) I'm not talking about the positive part. I think that the way some people speak on social media could actually turn you off from who they are. Mm -hmm. And then you meet them in real life, or I know them in real life, and I'm like, okay, you're that's the portion of you that like you're showing to the world that I don't relate to as much, but I know you as a whole person and I know you're a really good person. Oh yeah. You know, so it's not just remember it's somebody's highlight reel, it's also Remember that it might not be their highlight reel, but there's a whole other part to them that you can still have a lot of compassion, care, and understanding. You know, and that's a really, really great point, honestly. I think that 
<laughs> you know, I didn't say it, but one of the founders of Facebook, I can't remember, his name is, is escaping me right now, but he said basically that Facebook and social media was ripping apart the fabric of society because we no longer have these face-to-face conversations. We forget that the other person that you're, mm-hmm. you know, berating on the internet mm you know, or in an argument with is an actual human being and that Mm. there are motivations for why they feel the way they feel and Mm. real life experiences for why they gravitate to certain beliefs. Mm. You know, there was a um, thing where it's like 64% of people that are end up in extremist groups were literally led there by algorithms, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, getting news sources from actual news sites and not right. by An research articles. Yeah. yeah like it, even it's just very choice. important. Totally. And you know, ultimately we want to make sure that we have a, a plethora of opinions and experiences and real people that we know from different walks of life so that we don't live in these echo chambers. Social media is literally an echo chamber. It's built like that to keep you engaged and to keep yeah. you on it. But if you, you know, make a point to step outside into the real world and have real conversations, then you might find that we actually as humans have more common ground than we're led to believe. Mm. Something that I've been thinking a lot about, which is sort of our final comment, um, but Justin and I will have lots more conversations about this. Uh, I was thinking about who writes in comments. So like, I'm always shocked at how mean people are on social media. It like shocks me. Like, even if I disagree with somebody, why would I even spend the time to write mean things to people? Because of you don't know how that affects a person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I watch on businesses like the terrible things people write. So I always think to myself, am I a commenter or like am I a poster? <laughs> you know, and I would rather be a poster than a commenter because the commenters are like the trollers. Like you're like, you're spending way too long yeah, on social media. You deep. need to get off. Yeah. Even absolutely. if you have a strong reaction to something. Commenting on it, I always say like email them, right? Email them and say, hey, I want to have a conversation about what your company's values are or how this was offensive. That's actually going to create more understanding in the world, not just like ousting people in comments. I completely agree. We definitely love to tear people down, I think, publicly. And that's part of it is a public shaming. Yeah. Um, But if you want real change and you want real connection and that, you know, authentic Mm. change going directly to the source personally and not publicly shaming them is Mm. probably a better avenue. Just remember, yeah. And, you know, this is why I'm so obviously such an advocate for in-person interaction is I think we've been so starved. We forgot for this past year, I was talking about this in class this morning, like what it's like to be taken care of by other people, to be held, I call it like the satsang pressure instead of peer pressure. It's like, (laughs) the accountability of your community to show up with good values, to hold yourself accountable to a class time, to no matter how you feel, like present yourself. And we have now hidden behind so many screens, obviously do by force, right. by force. That's, But really committing to meeting people more one-on-one as it becomes safer, whatever your choice is in vaccination. Mm-hmm. I'm personally vaccinated. Jess is also vaccinated. Yep. So we are in person together. <laughs> and it feels great. Can. Yeah, it feels great. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so I think that's a really important thing in social media is to challenge yourself to in person, say hello, even with, with masks on, um, get uncomfortable, get awkward again, say hello to your neighbors 
remember that, you know, people and human connection is so, so, so integrated and important in mental health. And so totally. social media can be positive. So maybe we'll do some, how do you build a social media brand? What are some of your tips? We can do that in our next episode. Um, and if you want to reach out to Jessica, you should follow Citizen Yoga on Instagram and make her better at her job, <laughs> help her out. Um, I'm sure you guys already follow us, but Jess, how can people reach you? Uh, on Instagram, I am Jessica two underscores Malik. On we don't really do anything with our business, so I don't yeah. really promote it. I don't talk That's about okay. it. We don't post there. I post to everybody else's way too much. Um, so yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, you can also find us on our website at We Are Mercenaries. Dot com company name is just mercenary though awesome yeah. i love it well thank you so much for being here and if you are um not listening locally or you know that you still want easy access to yoga we have our new on-demand platform in our app it's 18 dollars a month it was really um our effort to bridge the gap between um not just yoga but also mental health resources are on there so if you are struggling with anxiety depression trauma there are um, so many therapists on there and we can direct you to more resources and if you want 30 percent off your first month on the app which is 18 dollars again uh, you can use the promo code after class all caps just thank you so much for thank being you. here thank you all for listening